This is a program about going deeper. It's about creating a culture of learning. It's about putting apostolic feet to prophetic hope. It is our mission to purposefully equip the world to transform their region with God's love. We want to create an atmosphere of divine influence to the nations by walking in the power of His Holy Spirit with a faith that shapes the future. Welcome to Eagle Mountain Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to Eagle Mountain Radio. My name is Chris and I'll be your host today. And I've got with us here in the studio an amazing team. My wife tells me I cannot say any longer, how are you doing every time? Because I say that every time. All right, so well, we're going to switch it up. Oh, I don't care. Chris, uh, yes. There you go. Oh, there you, there you go. Afrikaans, how's it going? There we go. There you go. Who 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 This one is for you. This intro is for you. You're right, though. I shouldn't say the same thing every time. But I care about how these guys are doing. Yes. 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 And they don't always say fine, by the way. Right. They're honest yeah. about it. Yeah. Unlike a lot of people that always say fine. Right. They're having the worst day of their life. Yes. and like, fine. Who honest? So, who honest? <laughs> who honest? <laughs> who honest? You honest. Yes, that's right. Okay. All right. This has gone crazy. Let's get to the topic. The topic is that we've been talking about in the pre-show is I'll make sure I get it right <laughs> intimacy and spiritual hunger come on so this is a topic that never grows old this is a topic that's always relevant mm -hmm. and I'm so glad that we're going to be talking about it today I think we should just start off kind of at the high level when you say when someone says um, intimacy spiritual hunger these types of things what immediately does that bring to mind like what's the first thoughts that come to mind I think Jesus who said um how I've longed to kindle a fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. Mm -hmm. And that is when John the Baptist said, there's one that's coming, I'll baptize you in water, but he's going to baptize you with fire. That is a great analogy of what spiritual hunger looks like. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jesus said, how I wish that were already kindled on the earth. And so you can tell he's got a hunger for hungry people. So I think of my relationship with the Lord, just that face-to-face -face connection with him. Veronique, what were you going to say? I was, I was thinking, when you say intimacy, I feel like there's one person on this earth that I get to be like my, the most intimate with. Um, that's my husband. And when I think about all the scenarios surrounding our connection. So when you say intimacy, to me, I feel... We've worked through our issues. We're treating each other well. We've been honest. We've forgiven. We've been merciful. Mm. We've been grace-filled. Mm. So that one word makes me feel 
my you know regular relationship my human relationship mm. that connection and then my mind goes to wow how do i do that with my father in heaven because that's an eternal relationship yeah. so then i go through all those things in my brain but in a, a deeper spiritual sense that's great yeah, that's great. Psalm 42, verse 7 says, Deep calls out to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, and all your waves and breakers have crashed over me. Mm. Again, that's the psalmist using language to say, Deep cries unto deep. Deep calls out to deep. And I just feel like what a great language in the Psalms to speak of spiritual hunger. Uh, when, you know, you're at that place where you're like, Lord, I don't even know how to say this in English or Afrikaans. I don't even know how to say this at all. Uh, I just know that there's a deep that's calling out to the depths of who you are. Mm. And would you feel my longing? Mm. Yeah. I love that. That goes from the intimacy, but you, you've brought that even in that explanation I want to go deeper. Yeah. It's not just about intimacy. It's that, like you say, it's that longing for more. Yeah. It makes me feel like we should talk more about this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like um, when you bring up certain topics, and this is definitely one of those topics, I feel like a lot of people immediately kind of have an adverse pullback reaction. Like it, it causes some fear. Um, and that makes a lot of sense when you're talking about this with... Um, in regards to like human relationships, because you can't, you can't ever really fully trust a human because humans are flawed. But when you talk about this with the Lord, it shouldn't induce fear, but it still does most of the time. Why, what do you, why do you think that is? Oh, I have a good one. I mean, there's so much. The unmet expectations between me and the Father, that's the one thing that trips me up when it comes to intimacy. Because I want to go deep with him, but then in the back of my mind, or almost like mm. this niggling little hook, mm. but the father didn't come through for this. Wow. And you've been waiting for this long. And, and that catches me up to make me feel like I can't trust him. Mm. And trust is such a huge key in intimacy. And I know there's so much more um, to deal with when it comes to trust. But I think that's one of the reasons why, for me, I feel, oh, when I hear the word intimacy. Wow. Yeah. That's really honest, isn't it? That's awesome. Thanks, Veronique. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, we recently had youth that were heading to a conference. And uh, I asked them, some of them, not all of them, I asked some of them, what do you hope to receive from the Lord mm. at this conference? And every one of them that I asked said, oh, oh, I, I don't hope for anything. Because if he doesn't come through then I will be disappointed. And so I'm, it left me wondering, what is it that we're doing in our relationship with the Lord that uh, the other generations are picking up on that make them believe that an intimate relationship with God um, is kind of like what you're talking about, where it is um, the potential mm -hmm. to uh, be disappointed is so mm -hmm. great that it causes you to not want to be intimate with the Lord. And uh, I know from my own life, when I was, you know, intimate with God, I was at that place of that 
you know, longing connection, and I was spending a lot of time with him, and it was um, the closest I had been. I, uh, that's when I got diagnosed with cancer. And so what ended up happening in my mind is this melding, sewing and knitting together of if you're intimate with God, you will be hurt. You will get hurt. Don't go, don't go that close because you'll get hurt. And so uh, I had to fight through that. For, and it, didn't, it wasn't a quick fight. Mm. It's a constant fight to fight through that if he won't hurt you if you get close to him. Mm. Wow. Wow. So I, I, when I, when I think of the two things, when there's a fear of intimacy, then there's a fear of, well, no, there's not a fear. When there's a fear of the intimacy, then it seems like there's not a, there's a lack of hunger for spiritual hunger. Mm-hmm. It's a, you're full, you know, really you don't want good. it. You don't want it. Yeah. And, um, and what I hear, I think you guys saying is a lot of the time, what, how, why that transpires and why we end up stuck in that situation is because of um, the a series of expectations or um, just this kind of misunderstanding of our relationship with the Lord or what his role is and what our role is in the world and so forth and just lacking the... I guess perspective, I I don't know, expectation, you know, Veronique said it well um, a minute ago, but I just feel like we're lacking that. And when we lack that, there's not the desire, there's no spiritual hunger or it's, it's, it's less than it should be. Um, What's your take on that? Bobby, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think that's really good, Chris. I think that um, the components that make up intimacy for us with the Lord I love your take on it, Veronique. Uh, they're similar to um, intimacy that we have um, on this earth. Uh, that's why in Ephesians 5, um, Paul said, I'm talking about a man and his wife, but I'm really talking about Christ and the church. Um, because the same components for intimacy there are, are uh, intimacy with the Lord. And so um, I feel like it, it is true. When you go into intimacy, vulnerability is key. Um, you'll see it in, in David's life. He was super honest. Um, and he was able to be honest. So that's a key component of intimacy or vulnerability is the ability to be honest. Uh, out of the 150 Psalms, 48 of them are complaints. That means one third of the Psalms are Life is not good. <laughs> Lord, I just want to talk to you about how things suck down here. And can I t- be honest with you? And somehow that gets interpreted to you as worship. Um, and we call them Psalms. It made it in the book. And so I just think that um, when we think of intimacy, uh, we don't often think of vulnerability or better yet, honesty. So that's huge. The second thing is just time spent. I am always looking for stolen moments with Becky. Um, so thanks again for bringing the, the earthly relationship up as a, as a, as a form of that. Uh, and um, I'm constantly looking for that for, with the Lord too in my life in different ways. I get five seconds to go get into a corner or go take a walk in the parking lot or, oh, I'm driving to the store. Gosh, I've got you know, just a few minutes to talk to the Lord here. Stolen moments. Um, I think that those types of things are key to having a intimate relationship with the Lord, not just a scheduled relationship with the Lord. 
Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so I wanted to touch on that real quick because when you say that, it's funny. I'm always looking for, for stolen moments and I'm always having to say to my husband, you know what, I'm busy with this or I've got to get this done or we've got to, you know, and I have to purposefully say no to the other things for a moment to find the stolen moments, which leads me to think how many times in our daily walk when the Lord is purposefully trying to steal these moments with us, where we have to say to everything else, stop for a second, five minutes I'm going to go yeah. spend with the Lord. Um, I just felt someone needed to hear that, so I feel like I jumped in on your spot no, there. No, that was okay. good. But, um, good. There was that. And then the other thing that I felt when you mentioned what you went through with cancer, mm -hmm. I felt like there was, if there was something, one gem that you could give, I feel like there is someone who needs to hear your breakthrough victory line Come on. spoken over them because they're f feeling that way. Maybe a different or similar circumstance, but I wanted to ask you, is there something you can offer them for their That's really like a, good. a door That's cracking really good. open for their victory to come through? I, I think uh, for me it was a, a few things. Uh, one of them was... Um, really just having an, an understanding that it wasn't going to come through, breakthrough wasn't going to happen unless I intentionally made that happen, which was I had to keep saying in my mind that that is not um, God's heart for me um, to cause me pain or to injure me. Um, that it was, uh, you know, that he, he loved me better than that. And so that was, that was like one of the biggest things was mm -hmm. like, no. And so anytime that thought would come, I would have, no, that's not, that's not true. That's not the case. Because that's like, if someone is going through a difficult time, that is your human response. Right. What have I done wrong? That, why is God upset with me? What, you know, that you, your human response. So what you're saying is you actively countered that human yeah. response with the truth. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's really good. I've counseled a ton of people over the years that when they're going through a hard time, they begin to ask that same question, don't they? Uh, Lord, what have I done to offend you? Mm -hmm. What do I need to fix in my life? And if we, as counselors, pastors, ministers, whatever, fivefold friends, whatever you want to call it, uh, if we slip into that trap, then we could start to go through their lives and go, well, have you opened any doorways? You know, that's mm -hmm. the new uh, right. thing. And, um, and we, yeah. we become more sin or Satan conscious uh, than, than, than the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, breakthrough becomes more important than intimacy. Yeah. And we just want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, uh, again, uh, let me read a couple scriptures here. Um, Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. Um, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, there are people who uh, have interpreted that as a very um, insecure person. And Jesus is just bowing down to those who are super insecure. But that's actually not what it means. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That means their spirit, they recognize in their spirit that without the Lord, they are parched. Hmm. That's what that means. So there's a hunger and a longing. Yes. Right. Blessed are you if you recognize, Lord, in comparison to where I want to be, I am parched. Mm. Always hungry. Always thirsting for you. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's not just mourning because of bad experiences. The, that is those who, again, in the spirit, cry out, 
mourn for more of the Lord. Those who hunger, um, it goes on. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Again, Lord, I come to you with a meekness. That is strength, actually. The ones who are meek. Moses, the Bible says, was the meekest man in all the earth. Guess who wrote that? Moses. <laughs> right? That strength under control. Lord, I know how to use my inheritance, but I stay tethered to you no matter how powerful of a person I am on the planet. I am under uh, your watch. I am under your leading. I put myself under your control. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. All of these um, verses we can apply to our relationship with the Lord, not just through what we go through in life. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. There is a promise. You will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. And that is, I mean, again, these are um, moments for spiritual hunger where we cry out, Lord, we can just use, uh, we can just use this, this portion of Scripture, Matthew 5, to go for it in our prayer life. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Everything is about you and God in, this, in these verses. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, um, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the Lord just saying, everything points back to you and me. Everything points back to heaven. You'll see God. You'll be filled from God. It, it, it has to do with intimacy. And he's speaking this to 5,000 plus people on a hillside. Mm. And that's how you can be in public and still have a one-on-one -on -one encounter with the Lord. Um, I just think that intimacy is... is largely found in this portion of scripture, Matthew 5. So I, I want to push into part of this. I'm super glad that you went here. So I want to look at 11, verse 11 and 12. So blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So I, I want to hear your guys' take on that because I feel like a lot of people will take those verses and say, okay, so the goal is to be persecuted and to, and to get yourself in a situation where you're hated and persecuted. And as that happens, you know you're going to have a really wonderful large mansion in heaven. And you're going to have many jewels on your crown. You're going to be really dialed because you've been persecuted on earth. And uh, here's what I think that actually means. I think this is in here so that we can interpret what happens in life through God's lens not as an instruction manual on how to get more reward in heaven. So I, I believe what he's saying is um, when things happen and you're persecuted because of me, just remember my context set right here is that you will be uh, rewarded and you'll be blessed. It's not go get persecuted so that you can be blessed. Now, am I reaching? What, what, do, you, what do you guys think? I, I think I think you're spot on. You know, we you don't need no one needs to go and look for persecution. It's going to happen if you're following the Lord, if you're serving Him, and if you're obeying what He has commanded you to do. It, it will find you. Uh, I think that uh, what I have found mostly is um, you know it, it's a test. It's a, it's part of the making of leaders, and how we. 
uh, walk through that test really is determining, you know, our, um, the next of our relationship uh, and, and the fruit of what is, you know, being brought in us in our character and our nature. But you, nobody, ha- I, I mean, I, I look at it the other way and I'm like, I would never go after getting some sort of persecution. I have enough yeah, as right. it is. <laughs> but I hear what you're saying. It's like people who are uh, instigating uh, you know, yeah. and I have a, I have a really interesting example that I'll tell you. But after uh, you you guys all have a chance to respond, um, that's kind of a really interesting twist to that. But um, yeah, Bobby, what are your thoughts? So I think that persecution can be the outcome of your intimacy. I think persecution is a super huge distraction to the space that God's supposed to take in our hearts. Um, So the Lord's trying to say, hey, I'm talking to you in Matthew 5 about intimacy. I'm talking about how you can be intimate through all of these things that happen in life. But then, like you said, in verse 12, he says, rejoice and be glad because greater is your reward in heaven. And he points them right back to the, where you're supposed to be focused in moments of persecution. Because uh, persecution of any kind, accusation of any kind, uh, people saying false things about you of any kind will actually pull you out of intimacy. And so I think that's why it's in the chapter is because it's, it's meant to take wow, that's you out. good. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, looking at um, the Matthew 5, I'm reminded of the fact that Jesus, he doesn't, when I say he doesn't care, he does to a degree, but he, he doesn't really care about our actions. It's our heart motives behind the actions that he's after. He would, that's exactly what he was after when he spoke to the Gentiles, and that was exactly what he was after when he spoke to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was after their motives. Like, I see what you're doing, but why are you doing them? Mm. For religious sake or for connection sake? Mm. And when I look at the Beatitudes, I think of the motivation behind why a person would do each of those things. And if you're motivated for, you know, persecution or because you want it to appear to everyone else that you're doing a good job and because you do a good job, you get persecuted, God's going to know your motivation behind doing it. Um, I say to my kids all the time, a bad attitude is like a flat tire. You can't go anywhere until you've changed it. And if there's one thing that we cannot hide from each other, it's a bad attitude. I can pretend as much as I can pretend, but if I have a bad attitude, I promise you one of you are going to, wait a second, I see that attitude, right? right? It's going to come out somewhere. And that's where it comes back to motives, back to how we behave, like why it comes down to our why. Why are we doing the thing? It has to come back to hunger and intimacy. That is such an unbelievably perfect segue into this example. And um, so I, I know someone um, that is very dedicated in their ministry. Uh, very, very, very dedicated. Whole life dedicated to this ministry. And um, this person has a family. And the family, um, the children, the wife, the, the family has cried out to this person and said, your ministry is more important than, the, than us. And this person actually has taken this scripture and said, well, 
This is a perfect example of verse 11 and 12. Them saying that is actually just persecution. So it's actually confirming that I'm doing the right thing. And then you'll throw in another, you know, verse, you know, let the dead bury their dead, follow me kind of verse. And then with that combo, you have the one-two punch justification for ignoring the family. So this is a very, very interesting, tricky situation because sometimes we're called to things that are hard um, that to some people might say, you can't be doing that because you're ignoring your family. And sometimes we're called to things and we go into that thing in a way where we end up ignoring our responsibilities like our family and we shouldn't be. So um, I'm just throwing that out there and you guys should like give me the answer and tell me how to make that all like work real well. What do you think about that? Well, isn't that a good reason why God set it up that we have people in our lives that speak into our lives uh, to help us? Because if we feel like the Lord is, you know, saying something, um, but it goes in contradict contradiction to the other things that are also in the scripture to such a degree, then... Um, Sometimes we need those people to help us and to say, hey, I think there's something here, uh, you know, and finding where that balance is, mm -hmm. uh, you know. So I just thought immediately, man, isn't that awesome that we can have people in our lives that could speak into it, that can really help us to stay on track and to keep the balance that the Lord would desire. Because God, I don't think, would ever say, um, you know, certain things that we might interpret he, he is saying. Uh, and uh, sometimes I know I need that. I need someone in my life who is going to tell me, uh, hey, that's, that's beyond. That's going beyond what the Lord is really saying there. And sometimes I like it and sometimes I don't. But I have committed to hear them and to take and receive what they're saying um, because I know that they have the best for me. Mm. And, um, you know, that's, I think, also a part of intimacy because if intimacy with God isn't uh, producing fruit in my life and the fruit of relationship in my life where they're helping me to interpret sometimes mm. things, then how off would I be? And could I get? Yeah, come on. That's so good, Becky. Remember Bob Jones used to tell us that it's impossible to be intimate with the head and not the body? Yeah. And yeah. this whole... Oh, I mean, oh. you could just put a ding. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. This whole... <laughs> this, <clears throat> when people think of intimacy, it's just me and the Lord, which is code for I'm wounded. Yeah. And I can't be amongst the people because he's perfect and they're not. And so intimacy teaching meant quit church. Yeah. And um, Bob was countering that with truth in love by saying it's impossible to be intimate with the head who is Christ and not the body who is his bride, the church. So get back in church. And you can't say you're in intimacy with the head only. And you can get the, I'm a visual person. And so um, my thought is in regards to you, what you just said, Becky, intimacy does include how we respond to persecution. If you're going to grow in intimacy with the Lord, you will be led 
in persecution. And I'll tell you that some things that, like Becky said, that are spoken in your life by the right people, we need to hear. And then there's another level, because uh, since we're talking about persecution, one's accountability, but now one is actually persecution. And that is that people are saying all kinds of evil things about you. The line here even says untrue, false things about you. So, you know, some things are partially true. Like, you really did it. Um, and you can't really call it persecution. It's actually should be called like a moment for repentance. And so, you know, you kind of go there, but I, I, I'll tell you my story, just be vulnerable. If it wasn't 100% true, I'd throw the baby out with the bathwater. Or if you didn't come perfectly, like Jesus said you should. And if you didn't come and call me on it, like perfectly with no emotion, no anger, no, you know, you just had to come perfect. You had to tee it up for me so that I could repent properly. And if you didn't do that, <laughs> I'd throw it out. And so, <clears throat> and then there's the moments where the Lord takes it a little bit further and goes, well, what about the person who is 90% demonic, but 10% true? Can you hear me in that? Are you that committed to truth, Bobby, where you can hear me through a donkey uh, and really hear what I'm saying? Or do they have to come perfect in order for you to hear me? Are you, how committed to truth are you? How committed to intimacy are you? And I noticed that I was doing that a long time ago in my relationship with Becky. And I just started having conversations. The Lord spoke to me about this. Am I doing this with you? And if so, I just want to remind you, you don't have to come perfect to call me on it. You could actually be 99.9% wrong and there's still something in it for me. I'm going to love the truth enough to find that 0.1%. And it's changed the way I have intimacy or relationship with God and my wife. He will use people. It's impossible to be intimate with the head and not with the body. Mm. I cannot wow. stress enough That's good. how important that is. Bobby, that is such a good word. When we were back in South Africa, um, one of the pastors was chatting with my husband and pretty much said in a different way, the same thing. He said, if someone comes and brings you something and they're 98%, um, what you did was 98% right and 2% wrong, you fix that 2% wrong. And you don't throw them out. You love them completely for the 2%. I think that's the other thing. So many times we get wounded in the 2%, right? And then we're pushed forward as the victim because we're wounded in the 2%, and now we're being persecuted. Oh, my word, I live in such persecution. Actually, no, let's call it what it is, because it's not persecution. It's you living in your woundedness. So to be able to look at that tiny cut, it's like lancing a boil. How important is that boil, that poison, to get out of your body? Are you going to hold on to not being cut so strongly that you maintain the poison in your being? or you're going to allow that cut to happen, the poison to drain, instantly you feel better. Aren't you grateful for that cut? You might have to heal momentarily for that cut, but you've gotten rid of the poison. And that's what friendship is about. Yeah, that's, that's what good. relationship is. Come on. That's really good. That is really good. Speaking of intimacy again, I, I wanted to uh, circle back on the um, scripture in Psalm 42, mm -hmm. 7. 
In the Passion Translation, it actually says, my deep need calls out to the deep kindness of your love. Mm. Your waterfall of weeping sent waves of sorrow over my soul, carrying me away, cascading over me like a thundering cataract. And uh, one of the things that um, John and Paula Sanford taught us years and years and years ago was uh, when you're intimate with the Lord, like with your um, spouse, um, it's actually your spirit singing to their spirit. Mm. And so intimacy is, has a singing component to it wow. that is, I think, something that we should bring up. And the, the, the waterfall, in the waterfall is every frequency um, uh, of sound. And in the scripture, uh, the scripture actually says at two different places, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it says two different places, um, the sound of the Lord's voice is like a waterfall, meaning it has every frequency in it. And the sound of the bride at the end of the age singing the song of the lamb is the same, yep. has every frequency in it. And so intimacy too, uh, I think is, uh, as, as we're looking at this, we are singing, our spirits are singing to the Lord. Yeah. And he is singing back over us. Wow. And as our, and, and that deep calls out to deep, um, you know, just in that, that is, that is a way that we can be intimate with the Lord through our singing. And I wonder if that's why many of the Psalms became songs. Because it was that deep, intimate yeah. place that David was experiencing, and he was his spirit was singing to the Lord. Wow. Also, though, verse eight goes into what he was going through, and uh, and and beyond that, and it says, "All through the day, Yahweh has commanded His endless love to pour over me." So that's the truth. His endless love is pouring over me all the time. Through the night, I sing his songs and my praises to the living God. And I will say to God, you are my mountain of strength. How could you forget me? And then he goes into this like, okay, here's the bad of what's happening. But that in the intimate time with God, in that deep crying out to God, he's not asking us to be perfect. He's not asking us to only think of the good things that are happening. He's saying, in your singing to me, sing of the honesty of what you're experiencing. Wow. That That's is amazing. so good. I remember it was John and Paula who also said, that is why for those of you who are married, intimacy is warfare. Yeah. When you feel warfare coming against your family, coming against your marriage, I know you want to be all googly googly when you have intimacy, but sometimes that's not the way it comes. Sometimes you make a decision. We're getting yeah. attacked. Let's have sex. And you go after it. In, go after it. You, you oh, man. intentionally is what I'm trying to say. Uh, and, you, and you do it as warfare. Right. That's because Cat Cruz. Uh, she says that too? Like, Come on, baby. Let's go have warfare. <laughs> yeah. 
intimacy is is warfare sometimes because the enemy is trying to divide you. Not only like I like we said in Ephesians five, your spouse and you. That's a, just a down payment picture of our relationship with the Lord. And so sometimes the enemy, the devil, is trying to. Um, do the same thing and separate us from the Lord and intimacy then becomes warfare. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, go ahead. I just, I've, I feel my spirit is, um, is pumping on the inside of me. If you ha have something to say about this, you go ahead, but I want to put a pin and come back to something that you spoke about earlier. Okay. Okay. Well, the, the other thing that I was thinking of in this is uh, we had just recently heard, I can't remember who spoke this, but they, um, they, it was somebody who was sharing and they said, you know, um, if, you're, if you only run to God in times of crisis in your life, he loves to be intimate with you so much mm -hmm. that the allowance of crisis in your life will be there, will be allowed, it will happen so that he, you will be intimate with him. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably butchering the way that was said, but, um, but something in that just struck with me and it was like, wow, you know, if I only come to the Lord in a, because I have a need and it, I don't come out of the, the desire in my heart to love on him and to have a relationship with him, then he's going to create needs because he desires that intimate relationship mm. so much. And that doesn't, I'm not trying to, let me just preface it with, I'm not saying he's, you know, he's going to cause evil to happen in our lives and la, 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 la. Okay. Let's just get more mature than that. But what I am saying is what it brought into my heart was God if I'm, am I doing that in any way, shape, or form where I'm only being transactional with you mm. when you're wanting to be uh, transformational with me wow. in a relationship? Mm. Okay, so go. <laughs> well, you mentioned earlier about the younger generation not yeah. wanting to put their hope, not wanting to get their hope up. And I have had this conversation with several of the younger generation. I'm not going to given name, they're just going to be younger than me, <laughs> or an age, they're just going to be younger than me. Um, and I feel um, there's something that we as the older generation can release over them. Yeah. Um, because of, number one, our, um, our length of relationship with the Lord. He's proven his faithfulness to us yeah. longer than he's proven his faithfulness to them. Yeah. Um, the depth of our maturity, the hunger of our intimacy. And I, I, in my heart, I felt like there might be a mom or a younger person listening to this feeling like, you know what, I don't want to get my hopes up because I'm always disappointed. And I just want to say to you in Jesus' name that you can put your hope in God and he will not disappoint you. If you put your hope in the outcome of an event, you may be disappointed. So learn to put your hope in God, and then no matter what the outcome is, 
You cannot be disappointed. But in Jesus' name, I just want to speak to all of that heaviness that is on you from all the disappointment and disillusionment and hopelessness from the previous times where you felt like the Lord has let you down. You can genuinely go before the Father and say, I feel like you let me down. He is big enough to handle that. But just you verbalizing that um, and apologizing for carrying something that wasn't yours to carry will free you. And so in Jesus' name, I just release freedom over your spirit and um, that you would find wholeness in the hope that only Jesus can give, that you would find the healing in the places of you where disillusionment sat. Um, and just as the Lord begins to clear these places in you out where the enemy has had little conversations with you or thoughts or attitudes as those are cleared out that you would just find his truth to replace them with find the truth that God is faithful God is almighty he's all sovereign he knows the beginning from the end he's alpha and omega just start to declare over your being so that you can rewire yourself to have your um, visceral response being, yes, Father, I will put my hope in you and I will not be disappointed. Wow, come on, come on. Wow. So uh, we have just a couple minutes left and I feel like, um, I, I love what you said. I, I love that as a kind of a turning point to this last um, point that I want to focus on. And that is, um, what do you do when you come to the situation where you, you're hearing something like this and you're saying, yeah, that's that's great for you guys because your lives are wonderful and easy. Um, but for me, I actually don't even have a desire to go there. Um, so it's kind of interesting what you guys are talking about, but I, I don't even, like I don't have a desire to go to that place. What do you say to that person that's feeling that? Gosh, it makes, <clears throat> excuse me, it makes me think of the people around you. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, who may or may not have modeled that for you. Spiritual hunger is contagious. And if we have people around us or we're the people around other people who are walking in that level of intimacy, then it ought to jump on us. It's sort of a fire that's self-announcing. And so if you don't have that, um, I'm thinking of the Google Earth position. And my prayer for you is, Lord, bring people around you who can model what spiritual hunger looks like, who can model peace when the storms are raging and just the benefits of intimacy, the benefits of spiritual hunger, the benefits of any intimacy. And if you've been there uh, using the earthly relationship at all, you look for that person always. When they walk into a room, no matter what you're doing, something changes. You, you look for stolen moments and all of those things. And, and spiritual hunger and intimacy, you find yourself doing that. Uh, th throughout, uh, like you can't even go to the dentist without seeing like a spiritual parallel. God's talking to you about, oh, someone just got, they're telling you their cataract stories and your intimacy pops up like, oh, and I'm taking the lens off the body of Christ and switching it out. You know, there's just things like that that just keep your spirit alive and you see him everywhere. 
And that's the neat thing about intimacy. That's how you know you're there. And if you're not there, then just want to want to. But that first comes from what listening uh, to biblical stories or reading biblical stories of people whose spirits came alive. That's really what intimacy looks like, a fully alive spirit. So what does that look like? Sometimes for me, I actually have to pray Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, over me because that is a secret and a key to release spiritual hunger in you. Oh God, I want to thirst. Give me that heart and then begin to look for him everywhere. That's a very practical tool and then you'll find your spirit coming alive. There's a way to cultivate spiritual hunger. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, on that bombshell, I think we, I mean, like, that's it right there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's so powerful. Any, any final thoughts from you guys? Um, I hear this a little, a, a, I don't want to say a lot, but more than none, right? Um, what you, just what you were referring to about what if I don't? What if I don't feel that? And the one thing that I can honestly say is there have been times in my life where I have not wanted that intimacy with the Lord. It's just been so dry, and I felt like, what is the point? And this is going to sting a little, so brace yourself, Sheila. You need to turn Netflix off, get out of Hulu, um, and actually put some time in the Word. Because the more I read the Word, the hungrier I get for the Word. Yeah. The more I spend time with the Lord, the more I want to spend time with the Lord. And the times where I've said, I just don't feel it. I've been spending a lot of time with Midsummer Night Murders or <laughs> Castle or whatever other series I've been following at that moment. And it's That's been good. my fault to say, I don't feel like it. So sometimes it's just like pull the band-aid off and do the thing. Good. My final words on that. Uh, would be um, in the kingdom, uh, when you eat, you get hungrier. It's exactly what Veronique just said. That's how it works in the kingdom. Instead of in the natural, like when you eat, you get full. Um, in, the, in the kingdom, when you eat, you get more hungry. So keep eating. Keep going after. Want to want to. Let it start there and then turn it into time spent with the Lord, time spent in his word. And you will find that those who hunger and thirst, not only will you be filled, but God will give you more hunger. Man, that's so good. That's so good. Thank you. Thank you guys so much um, for pouring into this. I feel like this is another one of those things where you can't really go into this enough. Like you can never have too much intimacy with the Lord, right? So um, if this has um, touched you in some way, let us know. Um, if this has resonated with you, let us know that. Let us know if it hasn't. Um, also, think about, as you've listened to this, think about who is the Lord bringing to your mind that you need to specifically share this episode with. Like, you know, such and such needs to hear this message and share it with them. Just be obedient to that nudge and share this episode with them. Make sure you like and subscribe and you're hooked up on everything. It's on YouTube and it's on Apple and it's on Google and Spotify. It's all, it's all over so you can find it. Share it. Make sure you're subscribed. And um, and just we, we thank you also for your time investment listening to these, these podcasts. So we will see you guys in the next episode.